Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus came to his native place and taught the people in the synagogue. They were astonished and said, Where did this man get such wisdom and mighty deeds? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary, named Mary, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are not his sisters all with us? Where did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his native place and in his own house. And he did not work many, many deeds there because of their lack of faith. The gospel of the Lord. C-Y! Parents, your turn. Hang on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Parents, parents, you ready? C-Y! C-Y! Everyone together, C-Y! Oh, man. What a week. What a week. What a week. Jesus was here, y'all. My brothers and sisters, it has been an absolute joy to be with you this week, to journey with you. Both Father David and I, we've just like crashed at the end of the night, totally spent, overwhelmed, just speechless at what we get to witness as your priest this week. It's been an absolute honor to be your chaplain. So we've walked with Mary this week, our mama, our queen, the one who shows us more than anybody else how to be a disciple, the one who shows us how to be human, the one who shows us how to respond to God. And this week has been a week of uh, formation, amen? It's been a week of drawing near to the heart of Jesus like the disciples, like John the Beloved, resting your head on the heart of Jesus, listening, show me, Lord, show me, show me how to be, show me how to respond, show me how to be like your mother, how to say yes. The thing is, coming to CYSE one week out of the year, like, you're not here, you weren't here this week for you alone. You weren't. Yes, of course, the Lord had all sorts of amazing things he wanted to give you this week, which he did. He had gifts in his heart that he wanted to pour upon you this week, which he did, amen? amen. He had so much he wanted to share with you this week, but this week wasn't just for you. This week was for the, all the people in your life, your family, your friends, everyone you know who was not here this week. The Lord had you here this week for the countless people at home who didn't come this week. 
This one week out of the 52 was to serve the 51 other weeks of the year. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is how Jesus does things. When we look at how Jesus forms his friends in the Gospels, we see Jesus having this twofold movement, this, motion, this movement where he summons his friends to himself, and then he sends them forth. There's a summoning and then a sending. A summoning and then a sending. It's what he does. He draws his friends to him, then he sends them out. And where is Jesus sending you? Just to the exact same place where he was sent in the gospel we heard today. Friends, today Jesus is sending you home to your native place. To your native place. To your family, to your friends, and to the entire world that you left behind Sunday when you came here. And if we were attentive to the gospel, what we should recognize, what we should realize at the beginning here, is that there is no harder place to be a missionary than our native place. There might be this impulse in our hearts that says, Lord, I, I'm ready to be a missionary. Like, I've encountered you. I know your love. I'm ready to share the story. I'm ready to go out into the world. Send me to, like, Pakistan. Send me to India. Send me to the deep hearts of the jungle. I'm going to spread the gospel. You can eat me alive, natives. I'll be a martyr. That's easier than being a missionary at home. Jesus is sending you on one of the hardest missions. But you're not doing it alone. You are not doing it alone. I think of our blessed mother. After she encountered the power of the Holy Spirit that overshadowed her at the Annunciation, she is filled with Jesus in the exact same way that you all are filled with Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended upon her just like the Holy Spirit descended upon you. It's not a different Holy Spirit, guys. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God descended upon you, has filled you, has set you on fire. And just like with her, her immediate action, what she does next is it says she goes in haste, she runs to the hill country of Judah. Now, you might not be able to tell by looking at me, but I'm not a big runner. I'm a golf cart rider. Um, (laughs) I don't like hills. There's a lot of hills here, y'all, right? There's a lot of hills. Going up those hills, like the main hill coming up to this cabin, to the lodge. Mary runs in haste to the hill country. It's not the downhill country. It's the uphill country. Our queen, our lady, our mother, the immediate response when she's filled with the Holy Spirit is she runs to the hard place. She goes and does the hard thing. The Lord is sending you to your native place, to your friends, to your teammates, to your classmates when you go back to school, but most especially, brothers and sisters, like I'm talking to you guys right now. He's sending you back home to the people who are sitting behind you. I'll get to you guys in a second. (laughs) He's sending you home to them because you've received an immense gift here. You've received an immense gift. And gifts are given by Jesus so that they can be given away again. So the Lord is sending you, he is sending you, he is sending you, he is sending you, he is sending you this apostolic mission because the Lord wants to get his world back. The Lord doesn't act on his own, even though he could. The same God who brought the world into being out of nothing could have done everything on his own, acting on his own, but he chooses 
for reasons beyond our comprehension to involve us in the work of salvation and redemption. He chooses us, earthen vessels, as St. Paul says, broken, limited, finite people, full of sinfulness and brokenness and woundedness. He chooses to partner with us to get his world back. Jesus uses and accompanies and like collaborates with us. He did it throughout the Old Testament. He could have saved the Israelites on his own, but he chose this guy named Moses who had a speech impediment. The guy was barely qualified to lead a group of people. I give you the Ten Commandments, right? Like he couldn't even do it, but God chose him. He was a murderer. God chose him. God chose David, the least, the youngest, the smallest of Jesse's sons, to slay Goliath. God chooses the most unexpected instruments to partner with him in the work of bringing about his will and building the kingdom. And the most incredible instrument that he chose is our queen, our mother. You see, God, who looks upon this creation, who so loves this world, sent his son Jesus out of the perfect bliss and glory and majesty of the Trinity Like this swan dive from glory. You think you see something on the Olympics, those high divers, nothing compared to Jesus. The incarnation, the Lord, from the heights of dominion to the depths of abject poverty and nothingness. He becomes flesh, dwells among us. He gathers friends to himself. He forms them. He empowers them. Then he sends them out with the mission of continuing his kingdom. Guys, Jesus wants his world back. The king, the rightful king, is saying, will you help rescue people? Guys, rescued people, they rescue people. If you've been rescued this week, raise your hand. Rescued people, rescue people. Jesus looks at you like like there's a neighborhood that's on fire. Jesus looks at you and says, I need your help to go get these other people from these houses. The world is burning. I need your help. I need your help. Rescued people, rescue people. And Jesus is asking, will you go? And will you go to the hardest place, your native place? So last night, friends, we were in the upper room, as it were, with the apostles, praying for the gift of the Holy Spirit to descend upon us in our small groups. Amazing miracles unfolded last night. Amazing things happened. Amazing, amazing things happened. Just like with the apostles in that upper room, the Holy Spirit descends upon them this amazing gift of speech and language and prophecy and tongues, and they're able to do things that they never thought before possible that they were able to do. They go out into the streets of Jerusalem with Jesus' mission ringing in their ears. He said to them before his ascension, here's your mission. This is it. Go into the whole world. Preach the gospel. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do all that I commanded you. Like, Jesus gave us the mission. The church has a mission statement. It happened at the ascension. I'm sick of parish mission statements. We got one. It's from Jesus. Go into the world, make disciples, period, full stop. It's what he did. It's what he told us to do. It's what he told us to do. Here, I want you to imagine this now. So you've got the apostles, the 12 of them. They've just been filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling them, go into the world. And I think I just have this image of them assessing their situation. So the whole world pretty big place, right? Okay, whole world. Go into the whole world, make disciples. And they're thinking, all right, so what do we got at our disposal? All right, let's just, let's just add it up. Do we have, do we have any money? 
No, we don't got a lot of money. Okay, all right. Do we have, uh, do we have any bishops? Yeah, we've got 12. Actually, we got 11. Judas, yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> do we have any priests? Uh, we got just as many bishops as priests because that's kind of where we are. Any deacons? Nope. Okay, so do we have any people in any influential places in, you know, do we have any, like, emperors who are Christians? Nope, not yet. Do we have any big public favor? Do people really like our cause? Definitely not. They just killed our main guy. Okay. <laughs> do, we have, do we have any seminarians? Nope. Do we have any seminaries? No. Do we have any institutions? No. Do we have Damascus? No. Guys, they didn't even have a New Testament yet. They didn't even have the New Testament yet. But you know what happened 300 years later? The known world, the known world was converted to Christianity. Do you want to know how? Do you want to know how? It's from Luke's second book, the Acts of the Apostles. And with great power... The apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. They had nothing but their testimony, they had nothing but their story, they had nothing. In their pockets, they had no cards, no tricks up their sleeves. All the apostles had the power of the Holy Spirit, the friendship of the Blessed Mother, and their story. Something happened to them. We are here in the year 2021 because 2021, whatever years ago, something happened to a group of people that is utterly inexplicable that this man who was professionally put to death on a Roman cross, the most indignified death imaginable, buried in the ground, his tomb was sealed with a wax seal with the governor's insignia on it. It was guarded by seven, like, Roman centurions. But the king rose from the dead. But brothers and sisters, like, the resurrection of Jesus happened Do you know that? The resurrection of Jesus is a fact. It happened. And these men, these 12 men, they witnessed it. They saw this risen Jesus, and they had their story of how this man entered into their story, into their brokenness, into all of their confusion, all of their desire for meaning. This man looked at them and said, I'm choosing you, and I'm appointing you, and I'm sending you, and I'm equipping you, and you can do it, and I will be with you. Their story is what converted the world. You have a story. Every single one of you has a story. Not just the people who are lining up against this wall. Jesus is begging you, will you go into the world, back to your native place, and share your story? You have a story of how Jesus has touched you this week. And look, and you look at the Gospels, when you look at the Scriptures, they weren't professional theologians. They weren't professional apologists. They didn't know how to defend the faith. They didn't do it perfectly. All they did was fumble their way through by the power of the Holy Spirit to just say, all I know is that I was one way and I met Jesus. And the thing that happened in between was his love. 
I'm a completely different thing. I'm a completely different person. Somebody has to tell the story. The book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, it says this. It says that the Christians defeated the enemy. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The enemy is defeated when you tell your story. And the enemy right now is so scared. He is scared of you. Just like he was scared of Mary. Just like he was scared of the children of Fatima. Just like he was scared of Juan Diego. Just like he was scared of John Paul II. The enemy is scared of people who tell the story. Who open their mouths. You may have heard this saying that was, that's been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. That you preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Raise your hand, especially parents, if you've heard this saying. Put your hands down. I'm going to burst your bubble right now. St. Francis of Assisi never, ever, ever said that. Ever. The dude couldn't shut up about Jesus. He preached to the birds. He preached to bushes. He preached to everything. He opened his mouth. He couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is your calling. This is what Jesus is inviting you into. Share the story. Share what happened. Tell somebody back in your native place, beginning with the people who are driving you home. Moms and dads, lean in for a second. I'd be walking towards you, but there's cameras right here. So, all right, follow me. Okay, all right. First of all, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for valuing faith so much to send them here. Thank you for having them baptized. Thank you for investing in the faith of your children. Thank you for trusting this place with their hearts. Thank you. Like, as a priest, it's the most amazing thing. But the gospel is so clear. It was because the people in Nazareth thought they already knew who Jesus was that that was why he couldn't do anything big there for them. Have the humility to receive the gift of the fire that your sons and daughters have in their hearts. It says that they thought, is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not Jesus, the son of Mary? And don't we know his siblings? Is this not my son Caleb who just like always leaves his clothes in the room? Is this not my daughter Katie who just never does her homework? Is this not my son John? Who never listens? Is this not my daughter Audrey? Who will never share? Please, I am begging you, let there be space for the conversion that happened. 
Let there be space. Let there be space. Engage their hearts with questions, please. Let them tell you the story. Let them tell you what happened. Let them change you. I hope your cars have air conditioning because they're on fire right now. <laughs> Revival is possible. Renewal in our church is possible if we have the humility to become like children. You see what's going on up here. You see this faith. I know it's incredible. I know you're probably thinking like, what did they give my kids? Like, I swear I dropped off the meds. I don't know. Did they not give them to them? I, I promise you they did. Okay, I promise you. All right. But this is what real Christianity looks like. This is what it looks like. It's, it's explosive. It's so explosively joyful. Go back to your parishes, guys. And be so annoyingly joyful. Amen? Jesus says the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. He's saying, I need laborers. I need people to go out into the world. I need people to be spiritual arsonists for my heart, for my kingdom. Friends, this is not the end. This is, this is the beginning. This is where CYSC actually begins. The week has ended, but we are not at the finish line. We are at the starting gate. Amen? It is a real battle. It is uphill. But the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. The same Spirit that changed the world is with you. Let's just pause for a second. Let's just take ourselves and place ourselves within the embrace under the mantle of our queen and our mother. Everything that this week has been, we seal it in the precious blood of Jesus through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the intercession of St. Michael and all the angels and saints, especially our guardian angels, our patrons. May we be sealed in the precious blood of Jesus. May we be so hungry for souls that nothing else would satisfy us. And we'd be so desirous to build your kingdom, Jesus, that we would not be distracted by anything else. Lord, you, are, you have not called us to be safe. You have called us to be saints. You've not called us to mediocrity. You have called us to greatness. And Jesus, the seeds that have been planted in our hearts through the intercession of Mary, may they be watered and brought to fruition. Come, Holy Spirit. Kindle the hearts of your faithful. Inspire us, Jesus, to build the kingdom. Amen.